Hey, so we have a guest today. <laughs> we do. We do. Oh yeah, we do. Hello, it's Jake. special guest. <laughs> it's 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 my friend Jake Lloyd. Hey Jake. Hi. Hi, Hi. Cheryl. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Hi. Joe. Hi, Bethany. Hi, Mom. Hello. Hi. Hi, Craig. Hi, David. Hi, Bethany. Hi. Oh, I said Bethany already. Um, the dog. The, hi, the dogs. Hi, Tigo. <laughs> hi, Campfire. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I am very excited to uh, to be a guest on It's On My List. And I'm uh, very, very pleased that you threw it to me to pick a movie to suggest a movie because i always assumed that you would force me to watch something that's been on my list that i never wanted to watch which is why i haven't watched it yet all those years <laughs> but, we did consider that yeah but instead you were like hey do you have any movies and uh i uh, uh one of my favorite movies is a movie i mean a lot of my favorite movies are movies that people haven't seen because i'm that weirdo but uh one movie in specific that uh, is such a huge inspiration on me. It's a movie that means so, so, so very much to me that a lot of people haven't seen. I assumed it would have been on some of your lists was The Station Agent. Yeah. Um, uh, a, have fan seen that. a fantastic indie from 2003, question yeah. mark? Yes, correct. 2003. Um, which, you know, I... Uh, uh, I'm trying to get this phrase coined. Maybe you guys can help me. You're a movie podcast. I want to get this out into the world. Oh, you know how people, you know how people always call movies slice of life? Like that's yes. a popular yeah. thing. Like, all right. I'm trying to coin a new subgenre of slice of life called sliver of life. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like because it. Because I feel like there's a lot of movies that people call slice of life and it's like, oh, it's just like the story of this person's you know, a year. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not a slice of life. That's like a whole year of someone's life. Right, that's a chunk of life. Yeah. yeah. And they use that to just mean that like it's everyday ordinary life. Right. Yeah. So I think that a better term for movies like the station agent are a sliver of life because they literally are just a barely a glimpse, a, a vapor <laughs> of a person's existence. A whiff. And yes, they're a wisp. A wisp of existence. Maybe that's better, like wisp of life or vapor of life. I don't know. I, I'm already doing it. Hey, I already did it. I did sliver of life. I don't need okay. These are all right. sounding like very strange potions that I don't want yeah. a part of. I'm not workshopping this. Yeah, I think right? that was in a, um, that's definitely in a video game that I've played. Oh, here's some sliver of life for you. Yes. <laughs> and, much like, and much like a potion in a video game, a movie like Station Agent gives me vitality. <laughs> well, I've never seen it, so I apologize. No, I've never seen it. A lot of people haven't. So, <laughs> so is it half of half of the group have not seen, and half has? Would appear so. Oh, oh wow. that's, that's fun. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, I guess it's I I guess it's on our list. I'm Elisa, and I have seen The Station Agent. I'm Andrew, and I had not seen The Station Agent. I'm Bethany, and I had not seen The Station Agent. I'm Cheryl, and I have seen The Station Agent, and I would like to introduce our special guest for this show, Jake Lloyd. He's the co-founder of Dragon Wagon Radio Podcast Network. He is also the host of Elaborate Podcast. 
he co-hosts Dungeons and Dragon Wagon. Uh, also, me, you, and 30 other men and wrestling compadres. He doesn't have enough podcasts to be on, so here he is on ours. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show, Jake. Oh, I thank you so much for having me, everybody. And I have seen the station agent a lot. <laughs> I am Joe, and I had not seen the station agent. And this is It's On My List. If you were to just see this, a cover of it, or uh, back in the day, maybe you're wandering the aisle of a lost blockbuster. Um, yeah. Is it the sort of movie that you would be interested in? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I will say at least for for me, I'm a fan of Peter Dinklage, but also I, this movie had been more or less on my radar, uh, for a few years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only reason I ask is I do feel that a lot of people, it's like people either know and love this movie or they've never heard of it, and that's sort of what I found. And the people I've tried to get to show it to previously. Uh, it's just been like a hard sell for some reason. <laughs> and I think because, Weird. because of the style of movie it is like, uh, you know, it is it is like I said, it is very much a sliver of life. And it is like it is such a true indie. But I, I personally think it's it is a masterpiece of an indie. Uh, that's just my thoughts. We'll get it's into that later, I'm sure. Definitely, but. It's definitely a movie you would have gone to like you would have had to travel to a little theater to go see it. It's not going to be at your local multiplex. Which is why right. I didn't end up seeing it in the theater because I wanted mm. to, but just didn't. I yeah, especially in like, like the, the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, when this I would have had to go down to like South Range County and it's just a hall, you know. So I, I very literally, I think like I might have been working at Blockbuster. Oh, wait, no, it was just after that. But I was right around the time I stopped working at Blockbuster. I remember like wanting to see it, hearing about it. And then, uh, you know, it we got it out of Blockbuster. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to buy it now. And I like bought the DVD. And <laughs> and uh, I would I wish I would have got to see this in a the theater and some sort of fun yeah. festival. But Alas, yeah, I don't know if it would have been one I would have grabbed off the blockbuster shelf and no. I was aware of it, but I didn't know what it was about. And I think part of why I didn't watch it for the longest time is I thought it was like a hardcore like drama. And even though oh. I like downer ending movies, right. There was something about it that I was just like, ah, I'll hold off. I'll hold off. But now that I've seen it, it definitely is something very much in my wheelhouse. Of yeah. Films. That's uh, you know, a bunch of characters trying to find themselves and just kind right. of utterless, like totally, you know, clerks and everything else like that. I, I'm down for that. Yeah, it is. It's true. I'm I'm the same way too. like stuff that I know is a hard drama. Even if people like it's such a great movie, like I will take a decade and a half to watch that. Like I like <laughs> oh, I yeah. still I haven't I seen. I really got to stare at that title and yeah. just let it, let it sink through to like my innermost brainstem and be like, yeah. maybe because, you know, it's going to be work. <laughs> yes. You know, that it's going to be. A, I, yes, so, yes. so my much, much, much better half, uh, Alexandra Hoy and I uh, to not do that couples thing that you do when you decide to watch a movie which is like spend four and a half hours picking a movie you know that <laughs> thing that we do the way that we get around that is we just pick it randomly out of our master watch list and then like whatever we get generally we have to watch now we can always veto a couple things but if it gets out of hand we just have to pick whatever we get <laughs> like and a like literal every, like a jar with names of movies yes, it. Yeah. yes although it, it eventually did transition to a digital list but oh, uh, okay. every now and then every now and then uh, the jar does make an appearance but <laughs> but still like we'll get a movie and we'll both look at each other like 
it's like, all right, what do we get? And it's like 12 years a slave. And we're both like, oh, <laughs> you're like, yay. Yeah, it's like, I, it's on the list. And I know that it's like an important movie and it's probably really good, but it's like, oh, uh, maybe, we should, I don't know. What about Finding I, Nemo? I don't know. Like, Finding Nemo again. Nemo, Nemo. That has to be really tricky because I, I find myself sometimes in a mood for a specific genre of movie. So, yeah. And and I can go and, and just, if it fits that genre, I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Right. If I'm so like, I just need why, a horror movie. I'll yeah, just go, that, okay. Yeah, horror movie. <laughs> that is why we transitioned from the jar to the watch list on Letterboxd, which if you're not using Letterboxd, it's amazing. my favorite app. Find me on Letterboxd <laughs> at Jake Lloyd. I will follow Doing you. It. We can talk about reviews. Um, but, uh, but the, what I love about that is that we, you have the watch list and then you can sort the watch list by genre and then pick randomly. You just pick a number from oh, like however many are. So, so yeah, that Andrew, that has become really a problem. Cool. And we've realized that after a while where we were just like, all right, pick another movie. Like the amount of times that we got like Arrival and we're both like, oh, we're not in the movie for that right now. Or, or like, you know, these heady sci-fis when mm -hmm. we're both just sort of want to dump comedy or vice versa. So, uh, but in any case, yes. Uh, Back to the station agent. The this is one of those movies that I do feel like it's so inspirational to me. It's such a a part of I think who I desire to be as a filmmaker. It's like it's just one of those movies that I I can't imagine anybody hating. I could see why it's not some people's cup of tea, but it's just so incredibly enjoyable and I think easy to watch for a movie of its style. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's one of those movies that I, I put on like the short list of undeniable. Like there's some movies that I think are <laughs> undeniable and I think this is one of them. Now, Jake, so, Jake, how did you come across the station agent in the first place? Um, so it was, uh, it was way back when I was that very indie movie nerd in the <laughs> early 2000s before it was cool yeah i was an indie movie well i was an indie movie nerd when indie movie didn't mean three million dollar budget yeah um, <laughs> um but but i i I honestly, I struggled to remember who introduced me to it. I want to say it was probably, <laughs> believe it or not, an old blockbuster uh, uh employee like a uh, co-worker of mine who was you know we would just share movies with each other that hey have you seen this have you seen this and i think they were like oh you gotta see station agent i saw it it's incredible and at that point i wasn't familiar with peter dinklage i think this was my introduction to him as well as uh, um uh, uh bobby cannavale who god i love him so much <laughs> he's just so he's exceptional incredible. He is, if I were slightly more masculine, I would consider him the same type as I. Like, I see myself in him if I were slightly more masculine. You know? I, I, I laugh more because I can 100% I can yeah. see what you're saying there. Yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah just yeah. that little touch of difference between you. But yeah, you're like... Sure. We're, yeah. Yes, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Long Islander, which, you know... Anybody from New York will tell you that we're nothing like people from New Jersey. New Jersey's the worst, but uh, I, I left and let me be honest with you. It's all the same. Don't let anybody from New York know I told you that, but, um, but yeah, so, so it was just these, like this great cast and, uh, and it was, it came on high regard. And I was at that point where I was just absorbing all in any like non huge mainstream movies. Cause you know, and you go through that phrase, I think when this movie came out, I was 20 maybe. Um, and so I was like, super movie hipster and it was just right up <laughs> it was right up my like yeah whatever harry potter looks good but have you seen fucking blah, blah, blah. you know like i was that guy who was oh, like i love feeling better than other people yes. yeah yeah 
I am smarter than you because I don't listen to other people, which is the opposite <laughs> of intelligence. <laughs> but in this case, I was right because stage and agents are great. Oh, I forgot to ask, can I curse on this podcast? No, not really. That's what I was All just right. going to say. Beep it out. Beep, beep that one out. I'll try. Oh, yeah. I, get, I get really mouthy. They all get bleeped. Jake, you made a movie that I think is amazing. It's called Pinch, and it is currently available for free on Amazon Prime. And uh, I highly recommend that everybody watch it because I've seen it a number of times so far. And uh, separate from the fact that I know you, I think the movie is uh, absolutely fantastic. It's really well done. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the uh, the disclaimer of separate from the fact that I know you, because that is very important. <laughs> it, it is. It is it really is. important. Well, uh, Joe and Elisa will back me up on this. The three of us, the first time we saw it, we went to the, what was it called? The North Hollywood Film Festival? Yeah, the NoHo Cinefest. That, that's it. And uh, I think they were kind of feeling like I was walking into it, which was, okay, look, I know this guy. I'm here to support him. <laughs> Uh, but there's always that worry when you see a friend's work that you're going to, at the end, have to go up to them and be like, yeah, oh, it was great. Because it really wasn't, but you like want to be nice. But everybody knows what you're doing. We saw this movie and the three of us turned to each other and, were, and said, that was actually like legit good. <laughs> we don't even have to <laughs> Well, we that means happy. a lot. I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah, Pinch is a... Uh, is a, a a real indie movie uh you know yeah. not not a you know indie in the sense where it's three million dollar budget it's a legit indie movie made by myself uh it has uh, you know no budget no crew uh <laughs> entirely shot on my own um you know it was a real beg borrow and steal kind of production but the story i think is uh is easily accessible it's simple it uh, I think it runs the gamut of human emotions. I think there's enough people and stories within it that anybody who watches it can find something in it that they go, "Oh, I, I totally get this," and uh, it really means the world to me. It was a, it was a, it was a pain in the to get done and make. Um, and um, I was so happy that you guys made it up for the. Uh, that was our, that was our Los Angeles premiere. That was our, our uh, left coast premiere right there that you guys made too, and uh, it really meant the world to me uh, that you guys came to that. So I really appreciate that, and I appreciate the support, but. Yeah, uh, and I mean, Station Agent is a big part of 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 Pinch of the making of Pinch because it is one of those movies on the short list of movies that I I I kind of look to as, you know, you don't need you don't need a lot except for interesting characters and a gripping story to tell an entertaining tale and to you know uh, capture people's attention for ninety minutes or so. Um, well, watching watching it this time with that in mind, you know, I saw it once before and I really enjoyed it. But watching it again now with Pinch in mind, I thought, oh, yeah, I can totally see how this kind of movie, you know, informed the type yeah. of movie that Pinch is. That Great. Just, well, it is that kind of sliver of life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. one of the things that I mentioned to Joe. I said after, you know, I, I had seen this movie when it first came out and then, you know, years passed. <laughs> And uh, and then yeah, watching it again, I go, oh yeah, I can see the note of the station agent in Pinch. I could see how it's you know it's just it's so complimentary. And then I think, I think Joe, you mentioned that you should probably it could be a good double feature, like back oh, to back. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with yeah, with, with well. station agent going on afterwards, I would assume. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love Absolutely. that 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 really means the world to me. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, Shell Pinch is available if you're an Amazon Prime Video subscriber, Amazon Prime subscriber, rather. It's available on Prime Video for free. Anybody can watch it for free in the console of the U.S., I think in Canada and in the U.K., I believe. Um, and if you don't have Amazon Prime, it's still available for digital rental and purchase through Amazon Video. So you don't need an Amazon Prime subscription to still be able to rent or own it on Amazon Video, not Prime. Nice do it people because i'm serious you'll, yeah. be, you'll be happy you did because it's just it's one of those just nice movies that you can sit down and enjoy it's got a lot of humor in it you know i i laugh when i watch it it's got a lot of there are moments that just feel like so sweet is the word i'm going to use but like just really I'll happy and fun and sweet and and i mean that in the best way and uh yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's got, I think, more of a more of a story than the station agent does. Sure, it's, it uh, has a, but yeah, a, a, it, there's definitely more yeah. of a, there's more of a catalyst for, right. for the actions right. within not, it, but yeah. It's not just a literal sliver of life. It's, no. you know, <laughs> it's got a story. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a fun story. It's a great story and it, you know, it speaks to, uh relationships between people and uh and i think much, yeah. much much like station agent it's about people who are at separate points in all of their collective lives who are total yeah. strangers coming together and finding uh a shared human experience of some sort and that ultimately is i think is what a lot of my favorite movies i've noticed throughout the years uh have really become about and i think that that speaks to my desire to find family um, yes. and my desire as sort of a, a social outcast to find the other outcasts and the other weirdos and, and artists and, and the other people who are going through not necessarily the same life experiences, but life experiences equal um, to mine uh, that mm. they can share with me and, and for me to share with them. And I think that that's one of the things that I really love about Station Agent is one of the things that I tried to really instill in Pinch. Uh, the 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 short version, uh, the elevator pitch of Pinch for those who might be interested in watching it, but still aren't quite sold. It's about two complete and total strangers who are both uh, sports memorabilia collectors. Uh, they respond to the same Craigslist ad for this valuable sports collectible, and they end up showing up uh, to the person who's selling its house at the exact same time. Uh, through a series of bizarre events, they decide to co-purchase the bat um, and uh, and in a way to figure out who gets to own it in a passing suggestion, uh, it's uh, made that they should play a game of actual baseball to see who owns this very rare and valuable uh, baseball bat. And so it's like very much the like, you know, story of these two men who have no right playing baseball at all whatsoever, uh, playing together <laughs> these ragtag teams um and it's you know that is a very that's a small fraction obviously of what the yeah. movie uh, is about it's about what they're mm -hmm. each going through in their own lives but the the catalyst for their discovery is this pickup game of baseball um very much I, I i like to say that pinch is what happens when the sandlot grows up it's as much about <laughs> baseball as the sandlot is yeah. um ah, except they're not kids they're adults. Right. Uh, right. And, and, the baseball and is there, but it's not about <laughs> right. the baseball. It's yeah. not. It's it's weird because uh, the the but struggle I've had with the movie in post production and with marketing is people categorize it as a sports movie, and I'm like, oh, I don't think it is. No, no, <laughs> no, no. definitely <laughs> not. And I do want to. 
Yes, and I do want to say, lest anyone think this makes it sounds like sound like a very masculine movie, uh, I think the, <laughs> I think well, I I think the female characters in it are really well done, so like well written and well acted, and uh, that's part of what I really enjoy about it is like while the guys are playing baseball, there are these female characters also doing you know having a, a, an experience with each other that i find absolutely delightful oh and, thanks that, and that rather means rather to me. true to life so that means a lot to me because <laughs> it, one of my big struggles uh, i know we're probably supposed to be talking my station agent at this point but whatever Sorry. we can still talk about my movie i'm vain um <laughs> the one, one of the struggles that i had with with making a movie for no money was of course is you tend to uh rely on the people who are around you who are you know are showing up and the unfortunate reality of my scenario is that I don't I don't have as many female friends in the same creative circle as I did male friends. And so, like, I, the truth is, is they were supposed to be additional characters. Some of the players were supposed to be originally supposed to be women, but I couldn't get anybody to come and do it and show <laughs> up. Um, and so I'm very self-conscious about that. So it means a lot to me that you said that, because every time I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, my God, it's just a bunch of white dudes. Uh, they're so upset. It's just a bunch of sad white dudes. But anyways, I, I, that means the world. But it's, me. you know, it works. And uh, appreciate it. Really yeah, appreciate I think you that. did a great job with it. Thank you so much. So the station so the, agent, the, the station agent. <laughs> I, okay. I do want to talk about, so this is right. Tom McCarthy's, uh, first directorial efforts. Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe he had, uh, written or acted before he's this. A, he, he's acted in a bunch of stuff, a bunch of like small movies and sitcoms and shows, but he was sort of a, like, you know, had no, by no means a household name he might not have even been uh, a quote that guy from that thing you know like mm -hmm. he wasn't even at that level yet um but yeah this was his first foray behind the camera and and i mean now i think a lot of people would know him as the director of the best uh picture winner spotlight yeah which is absolutely Ooh, didn't know that wow. yeah uh it's which that is a very um interesting film uh, and even if you want to say, oh, it shouldn't have won Best Picture, I, I think it, it tells an important story. Uh, sure. And then even, even most recently, he directed a Disney Plus movie called Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made, which is based <laughs> on, a, on a children's book. And I yeah. watched that and I thought, I was like, wow, I, I can't believe this guy did Spotlight and then this. Like, it's yeah. so... Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, loved, I loved Timmy Failure. I thought it was a lot of fun because I'd seen some some of the book stuff and yeah. yeah he's all, There's also, uh, there's another movie of his that is another massive inspiration on Pinch in the way that it's another not sports movie called Win Win with uh, Paul mm. Giamatti about uh, wrestling, about like high school wrestling where Paul oh, Giamatti... Man. And his wife, um, you know, uh, it, that also has like Bobby Cannavale. He clearly likes using the same actors. <laughs> and it's about like them dealing with this sort of adopted child who's this troubled teen who finds wrestling as a way to, you know, not be a, a troubled teen anymore, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but it has that same sort of vein. Like he definitely, he really does a great job of kind of finding that, that edge of realism that makes it not boring, but still very real, you know? Yeah. I've seen Win Win. It's also fantastic. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> to put um, that on my list. Please do. Uh, <laughs> so I just I do want to say so we the stars of the movie are Peter Dinklage as Finbar McBride, uh, Patricia Clarkson as Olivia Harris, Bobby Cannavale, 
How did you pronounce his name? Is that I think it's Cannavale, but I could Cannavale. be wrong. I think so. As uh, Joe Aramas. Uh, and then at the beginning, you have Paul Benjamin uh, as Henry Styles, his friend, uh, a Finbar's friend, uh, that kicks off the movie. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool cast. But, but yeah, people who are in a lot of indie movies, but you recognize them. And yeah, I think, it, I think yeah. it was also my first time seeing Peter Dinklage in anything. Pretty sure it was. And yeah. man, he is incredible. Now, I have not seen a lot of other Peter Dinklage things that are sort of long form. Right. Um, please yeah. don't club me and uh, run me out of the <laughs> city. But I have not seen Game of Thrones. Oh, you're in good company. That's yeah, fine. I haven't either, and I probably never will. So, yeah, so, seen, so I saw one episode. So, like when I, I think of Peter Dinklage, <laughs> yeah, when, <laughs> when I think of Peter Dinklage, this is the movie that I think of. Like, this is the performance yeah. that, and like small roles he has in sitcoms and yeah. other things. Yeah, like he has the role in. Uh, I was just watching the other day, uh, Death at a Funeral. Sure. Uh, yeah. Which there are two versions of that movie, and I think he played the role in both. Which is kind of weird, and I, also, uh, I, I love him as uh, as one of Liz Lemon's love interests in Thirty oh Rock. Oh my gosh, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah, and <laughs> then of course he's in. He has a great appearance in Elf. Elf, yeah. yes, sure. Really yep. That. Yep. Yeah, he's in kind of everything um, now. But he's he's, he's such a powerhouse. Oh, oh right, right, right. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he's just so much of a powerhouse in this movie. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that. You know, there. This is. It's one of those movies where there isn't. There isn't a ton of dialogue, especially not for him. And to have right. your lead spend the majority of the movie just just kind of side eyeing people and not really <laughs> interacting yeah. with somebody. Like it takes a type of actor to carry something like that. To just let it all exist in his eyes and let it all exist in his body language and the way that he kind of does nothing but he does a lot of nothing if <laughs> yeah. that makes sense right. you know? well because the movie starts that he is uh a, he lives in uh hoboken new jersey he's a train enthusiast you see that right off he works at a a little like you know model train store sure. as the guy who builds and fixes you know the the little model, model train trains, cars yeah. and things with another another guy uh named henry in there and then yeah one day henry just dies at work and uh and so the shop closes but his friend has willed him this property in newfoundland new jersey that includes a a small train depot yes and in the middle kind of in the middle of nowhere there's um, nothing out there and there's yeah. there's an incredible scene with Richard Kind, Richard Kind, yes. the best, where where he talks about like by the way like when you're a lawyer who's like delegating stuff from a will and he pretty much tells Peter Dinklage's character like oh yeah this is where he left the stuff have you ever been out there oh it's awful there's nothing out there like he tells yeah. him <laughs> that the place he inherited is garbage but yes. the thing is is that this is this is the best news for Finn because Finn yeah. wants solitude he wants to be left alone i was going to stop you early cheryl because you say that he's a uh, a train enthusiast i don't think he's an That's enthusiast not, yeah no, no you're enthusiasm. right he does yes, you're right he's a train what does he what does he call himself he's a train, train train watcher watcher yeah 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 so he and, like knows the schedules even in the even in hoboken he knows the yeah. schedules they he and his friend kind of sit on the roof the trains are going by but yeah, he doesn't seem an enthusiast about anything. No. You're right. No. And and he does, I mean, they show us from right off the bat in that shop, like everywhere he goes, because he's a little person, he's constantly, you know, people are looking at him, uh, laughing, making comments, whatever. Like there's always this 
attention being paid to him because he's different. And, uh, and yeah, he's just kind of like, you can tell right off the bat, like he just does not like people. What I love about him too, though, is that he's not, he's not rude. Okay. No, right. no. He's not, he's not angry on the outside. What later no. we learn a little bit about who he is. He just is. He doesn't. He's very, very direct. Yes, he, yeah. Yeah. Direct. <laughs> he, doesn't he doesn't care if he's wronged. Right. He doesn't care um, about the abuse and the, the the awful remarks that he gets for being a dwarf and, 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 and that attention. He's just sort of numb to it. And yeah. so the idea that he has this perfect fortress of solitude to go into and not be bothered is you know, probably news to his ears. And ultimately, I, and I think this is one of the reasons why the movie means so much to me. And one of the reasons why every time I rewatch it, I get very emotional is that I, I, I mean, throw a rock and you'll find a movie about depression, right? Isn't that 90% <laughs> of movies? Yeah. This movie is about depression in such a way that affects, that is like written at me. It's almost aggressive yes. the way this movie yes. is written at me. So Finn is... Uh, I, I truly believe one of the reasons this movie spoke to me so much is because the two of its main characters are, I truly believe, the two sides of who I am. So yeah. the depression that I, I deal with in my life is, is this type of depression that Finn deals with. He, Finn is one half of the coin that makes up who I am personally. He is much more inclined to politely shut himself away. He's not going to get angry. He's not going to yell. He's not going to, he's not even necessarily going to be sad. You know, like it's it is simply a numb existence um, where it's more about being alone. It's stoicism, right? It's almost aggressive stoicism. <laughs> like yeah. the amount that the, the the feats that he goes to literally just kind of not exist uh, are, are astounding. They're beautiful and they're sad all at the same time. Um. And so when he, you know, finds this perfect fortress and he, he goes and he finds the solitude, he's met immediately with what I consider is the other half of the coin of me yeah. that yeah. are that are at constant, constant badgering. And that is the guy who kind of just wants to be your friend, uh, yes. <laughs> which is the, the Bobby Cannavale character, Joe, uh, who just, yes, the, the, like the one thing he wants most in the world is to just be friends with Finn. Like He's a, a Labrador you're, turned into a person. Yes. It's like, oh. you're, you're right here. I'm right here. Let's be best friends. Oh my God. Also, yeah. Joe, yeah. also Joe is so incredibly alone. Like he yes. is yes. so lonely. He, he states in the movie how like, God, he wants to be friends with him because there's nobody cool in this town. He hates this town. He's from, uh, where do you say he's from? Not Hobo. He's from uh, New York. He's from Manhattan. Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. And so there's like, He's we don't necessarily know. Oh, we do know why he's here. He's there to take care of his father. So he has this right, obligation to his father. Yeah. And he's got this gorgeous Frank's truck. Yes. Uh, which has hot which dogs is not a gorgeous what, truck. No, not it's a gorgeous, a tiny, truck a tiny <laughs> little food truck just placed next to this disused train station where nobody is. And yeah, like, nobody you know, it, there's no foot traffic. <laughs> Why does he even put the truck? Right. Here? And it does, it, I presume it's where his dad put the truck. He's running it while his dad is sick. Oh, that's and, beautiful. See, my assumption, so, yeah. my assumption is that literally it doesn't matter where he places it because yeah. the town is just so inactive that it's irrelevant. <laughs> that, that's sort of how I mean, honestly, and I think that it's, yeah. it's a I testament. That way. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that I don't think he really wanted to do it, so he picked the most out of the way spot where he could still Ooh. tell his dad. Yeah. Oh, I love hey, that. I did take the truck out, but you know, people weren't showing up. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the thing though is that. Yeah, he does have a love of people, though, which was sort yes. of counteract that idea. But I do love right. that. I, God, see, every time I watch this movie, I love exploring it because there's so many little nuances. <laughs> there's something there's something to be said. I know that this is almost a very summary of the movie and we're only kind of just getting into it here. But I think one of the things that is so great about this movie is that there's no wasted moment. I think on its surface, when you like if you just were to put this movie on and kind of not pay attention to it, which how dare you. But if you were to do that. <laughs> It would seem it would seem like a modern day indie mumblecore, right? It would seem like a Joe mm-hmm. Swanberg kind of yeah. they're going through the motions, but it is the exact opposite. I think it's so meticulously crafted, like mm-hmm. every look, every line, every nuance, every frame. It seems to me it's it was done so masterfully that it seems effortless. Yeah. But in actuality, it's very meticulous. Um, and, and that's something that's great about that. Like the fact that we have all of these idea, all of these ideas that we just threw out here, like four different ideas of why Joe puts the truck there. Right. And uh, we get that all just from the first time we meet him. Like you have, there's so much information in every moment and every line of dialogue, uh, presented through every one of the characters that it's just, I don't know for a movie where there's barely any lines, there's so much meat on each of them, you know? Mm-hmm. There is, yes. Um, and I gotta say, as soon as Joe hooks up with Finn, my immediate thought was, if anyone remembers the old Looney Tune cartoons with the big bulldog and the little yappy dogs, like, what do you want to do today, Spike? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. The whole scene was like, hey, you want to get a drink? No. Except, well, except in this isn't. It's the big bulldog that's loud, yes. and the little yeah. dog yes. is the one that's loud. made me laugh so much when he's just like, oh, you just but, want to drink with me <laughs> yeah but it's just and, and it's it it all of the establishment here too of setting up the fact that you know finn comes and he lives in this he moves into this little train depot and this guy joe all he wants to do is just like know everything about immediately like oh what are you doing why, why are you here you live here and he, he doesn't he's not rude he, he answers every oh. one of his questions he, yeah he answers it like he's in the military like simple yes or no answers no elaboration whatsoever <laughs> and uh, uh, it we immediately learn in that in that moment that like Finn is not interested in uh, not just is he not interested in sharing things about himself he's not interested in learning about it, each other. The, in fact, there's something that's really interesting about this movie, and uh, if you guys ever rewatch it, look at how many times Finn asks a question. So uh, the only questions that Finn asks for the first hour of the movie are to service people: are do you have coffee? How how much for the coffee? What what do you need from me? Like those are the only questions he asks, and I want to keep that in mind because that comes into really really powerful moment later on. But and that shows you everything you need to know about these characters. And it's I don't know again like it's it's it hits me really hard in the heart because this is like this is every therapy session I've ever had is like trying to figure out how to find the balance between these two sides of who I am personally as a human being because I am very much when I am you know, in that mode, like I am very terse. I have very short questions. I don't, I'm not going to be rude to people, but I'm not going to elaborate on anything. And then in any other moment, I will be bothering you and asking you if you need me to help you move, you know, like <laughs> um, even if you've lived in the same place for 30 years. And that, it's you want to like, move on? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I honestly, their, their relationship is just so, so incredible. 
Yeah, I um, find Joe just an absolute delight in this, just because yeah. he's so genuine and kind just of childlike bored. in his yeah. desire to just please let's be friends, all in, of us, everybody. In, in, in a in a dream of mine, uh, Joe was uh, sort of like inspiration for one of the characters in Pinch uh, named Clark. And I don't know. I don't know that I hit that. Uh, that I hit that. Uh, oh, uh, that I, okay. I was like, I couldn't think of it by name, but then yes. I thought I realized the, who you meant the, by personality. The main character's yes. neighbor who just desperately wants to be his friend. Yes. Um, and it, it's it's probably because we didn't necessarily explore him as much, but that's sort of like, and, does, and it's yeah, there's some people that are just love. That. Yeah. Yeah. That they just pour out kindness and love and joy, and they, there's like no judgment. Yeah, which I think is really interesting, uh, and I love the analogy, Joe, that they're like he's a dog because he very much Joe in the movie very much is a dog, like yeah. he is very much a like loyal to he a fault, like yeah, he just wants affection, yeah. he just wants to hang out on your lap, and he just wants to like bring you your slippers, like that's all he wants. <laughs> the fact that literally the first time we meet him uh, is Finn buying a coffee from him and getting you know given getting twenty questions. But not, you know, he's not being rude. He just doesn't really answer them. And then the next time we see him, he's bringing him an, a coffee, unsolicited. He like brings Finn a coffee. So it just shows you that literally he is like he wants to be of service and as a way to connect. That's his love language, so to speak, is uh, his gifts and favors. <laughs> but then we also have the character of Olivia, who uh, her introduction in the movie, I think I just absolutely love. Um, because, I mean, Finn is a guy, he doesn't drive, he walks everywhere, including mm. like when he walks from Hoboken to Newfoundland, he yep. just walks the right of way, as we learn it's called yep. later, along the train tracks. But so he's told, Joe tells him, yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, a mini mart kind of place, a small place, convenience store, you know, a mile and a half down the road. So he walks down to there as he's walking through this sort of forested area, this, this SUV comes along the other direction uh swerving all over the road and we see Olivia in there like she's distracted by a thousand things she swerves all over so he he ends up actually having to jump out of the way and dive into a yeah, ditch she and, and she's like oh my god you know she stops and she's so apologetic and stuff and he's just like yeah, okay just please get away you know fine <laughs> but then he gets his stuff and as he's walking back the other way she's driving back <laughs> and she has a coffee from joe and she she wants to be it. nice. She wants yes. to be nice and, and apologize because at yes. this point in between the stop, she learned where he oh, lives right. because right. everybody, because there's only seven people in this town. They all talk. And, mm -hmm. you know, when a dwarf <laughs> moves into town, people are going like, oh, have you met the new guy? He's a dwarf. Like it's yeah. so she immediately knows who he is. And she wants to put her coffee down and stop and talk to him and introduce herself and say, sorry. But instead, she re-pours the coffee all over her lap and does the entire thing all over again. Yeah, she literally, he literally has to jump out of the way again. And of course, by then, I mean, if you're Finn, you're like, oh, okay, just stay away because seriously, you've got problems. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then she keeps trying to offer him a ride, which I would not have accepted at that point right, either. Right. You've seen her driving, and, you know. And, you know, <laughs> as, as the story unfolds, we learn a little bit about her. We learn that she is divorced from a husband she lost a child she's yeah. dealing with her own form of depression and loss and grieving in a specific way yes. but she's also the exact opposite of finn she's an immediate oversharer yep in the way that finn doesn't ask any questions of anybody and doesn't share anything about his own life she asks endless questions much like joe but also answers them herself <laughs> Well, like, cause, yeah, because yeah. you have these interactions and then she comes to Finn's 
you know, to, station. To the house, and, yeah, what do you want to yeah, call it? Brings him, brings him a bottle of alcohol by way of apology. But then, yeah, just, like he lets her in, but then she just like immediately starts, you know, telling him all kinds of things yeah. and, and like tells him that she lost a son. And then she's sitting on his couch like, okay, I need to sit down. She sits down because she like knocks stuff over in there and everything like and and she sits down but then she's like could you please just not look at me right now like she's in his house you know <laughs> she, she has he he has three lines in that yeah yeah uh, in that whole scene it. the first line is when she when she just kind of he opens the door he doesn't say hi she just says oh, i'm right. so sorry i brought you a brandy and then he she kind of lets herself in in a way yeah. he like yeah. he kind of opens the door but not and again the nuance in this movie is perfection the nuance yeah. between all these performances is just so good i can't talk enough about how great these performances are <laughs> yes. um and uh, sh she says do you have like wine glasses or, or glasses or whatever and his, so his first lines are i have mugs okay <laughs> and then she sees his ticket uh taking booth his like ticket machine or whatever you want to call it and she says what is this and he says oh it's a ticket booth and then she proceeds to knock it over and like that's it he doesn't speak until the next she falls asleep on his couch and the next morning happens so there's something that's also really interesting about this, which I love. The first four, not one, not two, not three, but four. The first four scenes, interactive scenes, that both Olivia and Finn have, Olivia is apologizing. So the first <laughs> scene, she runs him by with the car and she goes on the side of the road, she apologizes. Number two, runs him on the side of the road, apologizes again. <laughs> three, she it's a double, it's a two for one. She brings the beverage to apologize and then immediately apologizes for knocking over his ticket booth and then the fourth one yeah. is apologizing the next morning for overstaying her welcome so her first four scenes she spends we spend four scenes simply establishing that she's sorry <laughs> that there that there's guilt well, but, you know like yeah but that oh. and that makes sense yeah because she one she carries a lot of guilt exactly uh, as we learn later and then and and two that's a very uh female thing to do like no matter what's going on with you there's a lot of always like you know there women are kind oh, of taught love. to be apologetic like that oh i love uh, that you said that i i you know yeah. what as a dude watch this movie didn't even that didn't even cross my mind yeah. to me this was simply about the guilt of her kid and like this is just her normal position is apologetic right. but that's right. a really yeah interesting well and i think it's yeah i think it's because she's like Oh, I have all these problems, but oh God, I'm so sorry that it's it's on you. Oh, I, I'm so sorry this is affecting you. Rather yeah. than look, this is where I'm at. This is why this happens. You know, oh, I'm so yeah. so sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's yeah. it's it's incessant. The I mean, she, the the word sorry or apologize must have been every sixth word in her script for the first <laughs> right. 40, well, it, 40 pages it, of the movie. And it immediately gave me a a, a sense of her that oh, she is very. Uh, Oh, what is the word that I'm looking for? The, the, yeah, that she lacks confidence, like really yeah. lacks confidence. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I as I, I'm going to just say invade as Joe invades Finn as a friend, because he never <laughs> Finn never necessarily opens no. his, you know, his way up. It's more it almost feels like Finn realizes that he can't win the battle of <laughs> yeah. just leave me alone. <laughs> So much so that he so that Joe comes over and he asks him what he's doing and if he can tag along. And he says no. And then Joe later learns that he's actually just like on the bench, you know, watching trains. And he he begs Olivia for a ride to go see him <laughs> kind of against his will, like kind of immediately being like, oh, screw you. I'm going to find you and I'm going to make you hang out with me. Yeah. 
And that, and I love, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was no, going to say that that one of my favorite moments in the entire scene, one of my favorite pieces of acting in a movie, you know, smattered with perfect acting moments is when uh, he sits on the bench next to him, Joe sits on the bench and he grabs the train guide and he says, <laughs> what's this? And Finn goes, it's a train guide. And he's already looking through it. Yeah. And he goes, can I look at it? And he's already, you know, <laughs> and Finn doesn't say yes. They, they right. linger on this moment for so long. Where just, Finn, just, Finn just kind of, there's a slight look that says to us, you're already looking at it. You and, know, like, <laughs> and, and that kind of says, I hate everything about right. you. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so great. And then we learn that like, you know, I, I love what I love about this is that Obviously, we t- we mentioned Finn's a, a train enthusiast, whatever, however you want to use that word. He's a he, he, and um, Joe is so bored. He's so desperate that he will immediately adopt anything that somebody else is interested in. It seems, and the fact that he's interested in trains is is weird to Joe. But simultaneously, now Joe wants to be equally as interested. Joe wants to explore <laughs> this. He wants to be a part of it in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so he suddenly like starts adopting like it, it, from that first moment where he looks at the book, the next scene is sort of a, a jump cut to it. What we're assuming is maybe an hour later. Cause Which we is, learned this is yeah. the part I like the most in this, oh, in this scene. Yeah. Where the, we see the first train go by and Joe is jumping up and down. Like it's the coolest thing. And he's like cheering at it. And it's like, the, and he's looking in the book. We see him looking in the train. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, it's just gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous i love that it ends up being a very short train it's just like three or four cars (laughs) and then you see joe like what the hell like yeah Yeah, it's me that curses but yeah he just like you and it's just you know we're watching from a distance so there's no dialogue but just from his body language he's like it was so short right yeah oh it's so good and it's you know there's this level of uh there's this level of like big, big brotherdom that, that occurs between yes. Finn and Joe where like Finn's a big brother and Joe is like the little brother being like, Hey, can I come play kickball with you and your friends? And he's uh, like, right. no, I don't want you to tag along. And, and I don't know, there's something about that relationship that just really speaks to me. I but. especially love the part where he goes from being excited about the book and the, the possible train on the way to being a big kid and skipping rocks. Yeah, he's yeah. so bored of waiting for the next train to come by. Yeah, yeah. and when he tells him, "Oh, the last train came by an hour and a half ago," he's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting here. <laughs> and and that's another thing too. Since you mentioned that, th- this movie has so it's very much a sandbox. Like it does take place in this tiny little town in New Jersey, and it is there's so much texture to this movie. It it does look old it looks like it was made in 19 you know 93 like it has like a, it's not super crisp it's a little blurry it has a very like old film stock texture to it you can tell it's low budget but in a way it kind of adds to the story i feel like it feels like i don't know the texture in the movie is incredible i feel like you can touch everything there's no like there's no plain wall in this town every wall is covered with cracks or dust or pictures or or, or whatever even the library looks aged and lived in like it's not clean it doesn't have a it doesn't look like a nothing is modern at all whatsoever even for 1993 yeah i thought yeah. the same thing especially the station itself 
I don't know if they found it in that condition and just shot. And I would assume so since the budget for this was so small. I think yeah. it's that it is an existing closed train station. Yeah, yeah it, it is an actual building, but I didn't know if maybe well, like their if art department went in and like, yeah. you know, aged it up or whatever. Oh. But it, it looked perfect no matter yeah. if they found it that way or if yeah. they had to make it look that way. Yeah, there, there, there are. There are not a lot of movies, but there are some movies where when you're watching a scene, you can almost like smell the atmosphere. And this movie is very yeah. much that. Like, I feel like whenever yeah. they're walking through the woods, I just feel like that, like the fresh rain kind of like yes. north, northeastern, like humidity, humidity. And oh, it's just it's it's really gorgeous in that sense. We'll be right back with more. It's on my list. Hi, this is Cheryl. You've heard me on It's On My List, but have you heard me on my long-running show, Movies Made Me? Every two weeks, I sit down with a guest who shares the five movies that made them who they are. We also go beyond movies to talk about three other things that influence them to be them. You'll hear from everyone from a coffee shop waitress to Clancy Brown as we delve into the movies that shaped our philosophies, careers, and lives. Hear it on MMMPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So yeah, so it, it you know, the movie kind of becomes this beautiful story of these three completely different people. I mean, you could not pick more different individuals than these three individuals. And they sort of form this bizarre friendship you have you know the the stoic quiet depressed finn you have the manic depressed and grieving olivia and then you have like the honest to god just flat out lonely and bored uh uh joe and like they just find solitude and just existing next to each other and one of the things i love about this movie is that it's not one of those movies where everybody needs somebody else to tell them something in order for everything to be better. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not a movie where like two characters need to, you know, bone in order to fix all their problems. It's not like there's (laughs) none of that. There's none of worried about that. Yes. Yeah. It's very much simply, in my opinion, a, um, a movie about coping. It's a movie about like, small victories and just finding where, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's one of the most beautiful movies about depression. Cause it doesn't solve depression. Like so many movies do so many movies. Like you, you know, it's like, Oh, this person's suffering this depression or this loss or this. Or that. And then by the end of the movie, like everything's fixed. And it's yeah. like, no, that's not how that works. Sorry. It's not how that stuff works. Dude, I did there. <laughs> honk, honk, air train. Uh, I, I did one but, earlier. So, <laughs> but I do I I wanted to um kind of on that note I wanted to talk about the the Cleo character. Yes. Uh who yes. is a child who befriends Finn and at first her interpretation of Finn is that he is a child. She kind yeah. of sees well he's little like me, right? And she asks are you still in school and he's like oh I'm done with that. Yeah, she says, yeah, she says, what, what grade are you in? I think she says yeah. what grade are you yeah. in? And I I enjoy that what happens there isn't so much as that he's sharing the love of trains with her. It's just he is allowing her. It's like, I'll tell you about the trains. You know, you can come and play on the because there's a train sitting there. Yeah. At the station. An unused car. And she she asks him a few questions. We see at one point she's playing on the train car. And I, I enjoy that, that she that 
Finn, it's not that he's like mentoring her or anything like that. Yeah. And but it's also not that he's like, get out of my train space. This is my yeah. personal train space. It's just very like, yeah, you're here. I'll tell you about it. And I don't mind. Like, it's that's, just like that was a very it was a very nice little friendship that was going on there. Yeah. It, in yeah. fact, I think that what's nice about that is that it's very similar to the relationship with Joe. Um, the difference is that since she's a kid, I think he you know, and it should be noted that early in the movie, we see kids, you know, making seven uh, Snow White and seven dwarf jokes at him. Like, yeah, the first like you mentioned, Cheryl, the first thing that we see is the kid who comes into the train station who's like caught off guard by him and stares at him. Right. It's it's set up from the very early on that his greatest fear is children because who's meaner than kids. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and so you have this girl who's just the innocent girl so much so that like you said Andrew like she thinks he's also a kid so <laughs> no right off the bat we the viewer know this girl poses no threat this girl poses no emotional danger to Finn as a character right so it's it's on, it's on Finn to allow her in it's on Finn to deal with his own crap because she's not going to be the kid like every other kid he's come across um, and I think that that's why that relationship is just so beautiful because you get that, you know, that sort of like uh, he turns the first time we see her, he's just, she just like starts walking behind him on the train tracks and like he just sort of like turns around and says hi and she runs into the woods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny because she's also like shy and it doesn't seem like yeah. she has any friends, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yeah, that, that relationship is gorgeous. And what, what I also dig about that, too, is that it's clear that like. She's just a kid in the neighborhood and other people have seen her about, but she maybe doesn't speak to anybody. In fact, she eventually uh, meets Patricia Clarkson's character, Olivia, and asks her name, which allows me to believe that, like, she doesn't speak to anybody else, this little girl. This little girl is also a little loner um, because otherwise I feel like she would know people, the townspeople's names, you know? Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, love, I love that character played by Raven Goodwin. Funny, another little 30 Rock connection. She plays when she's a little bit older. Obviously, she plays the girl on the plane that Liz Lemon thinks is Oprah. Oh <laughs> no! Remember that episode? <laughs> I think I vaguely yeah, remember that. She's one. like, I said, like she, like Liz was like tripping on something. I don't remember what it was. Oh my but gosh! She's like, I met Oprah, and then she brings what she thinks is Oprah, and it's just that girl. She and she's like, she's also <laughs> only like seventeen years old. <laughs> That's the same actress. Um. That's awesome. But but yeah, so like they I know the they the walls start to come down between the three, you yeah. know, Joe becomes the de factoid like server and I don't just mean that because he has the truck. Like that's just like we talked about like that's his his love language is like gifts and service. So he wants to cook them dinner. He makes yeah. them a great dinner, but then he has to leave to go take care of his father. He really tries to like kind of it's funny too because I I think that early on in the movie Patricia Clarkson really attempted to befriend Finn because of her guilt. Um, and then sort of at one point decided it was best left alone. And I think it's because of Joe that the two, he kind of forced it. He kind of made them befriend. So he's sort of the glue of this group. Come along to walk the right of way with them at one point. Yeah. Oh, I love that scene. This train thing, you know, which I think then leads. There's a, a, a moment where Olivia is at home sitting on the, the, end of her bed she's she has they've been sitting there and she's been w watching this young boy playing and and she gets very upset because she's thinking about her son who we know at that point you know has died 
And so she's sitting on the end of her bed, obviously like really in her depression. And, but you can see her reflection in a mirror there and there's a, a train horn goes off. Yep. And she smiles just ever so slightly. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's really great. She's like, oh yeah, it connects to these people that she's got now. So it, with, with that said, there's a, I want to tie that to another incredible moment after some of the walls start to get broken down. Not a lot, because still, again, Finn is just a stoic stone of a man for so much of the movie. But there's this beautiful moment. And in fact, it's, I want to say it's maybe 50 minutes into the movie or, or 45 minutes or so into the movie. And it's the very first time in the entire movie that Finn smiles. The three of them are on Finn's little patio outside of the, 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 the depot. And uh, this family pulls up to Joe's cart and is asking and if he's got food or whatever. And Joe's like, nah, I, you know, we're closed. And he goes, I'll play soccer with you. And he jumps off the bench or off of the, uh, <laughs> the, the stoop to go play soccer with these kids. And that's the very first moment that Finn smiles in the entire movie. And uh, yeah. Olivia looks over to him and just says like, he does enjoy life, doesn't he? And there's that, <laughs> that to me is the, 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 that little kink in the armor that like that first moment. And it's immediately, this is masterfully written because we don't get to enjoy that moment. We don't get to celebrate that moment because it's in that exact same moment watching these kids, Olivia, once again, memories of her son starts crying, has to get up and leave. Right. And, and immediately Finn is then reminded of just sort of the realities of depression. It's like, there's this weight and it's weird. We talked earlier, Joe, where you were like, oh, this seems like such a hard drop. It's a hard drama, but it's not that. It sounds like it's a hard drama based on how we're describing it. It's not, but it's just the way people <laughs> right. are. Like it's it's the human reaction to things that occur in life, you know. And I think because th- there are the comedic moments from it, and it's presented so matter of factly, it's not over dramatized. Yeah. Nope. But the, the funny thing was, I, I didn't read anything about this before I jumped into it. I just knew that I love that was in it. So in my head, when we started the movie, I still thought, oh, this is like a real serious, like, I'm going to cry tonight drama. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, back, going back to the very beginning when Henry dropped dead, as soon as I heard that yeah. noise, I'm like, oh, no, Henry died. And he walks out and he sees the body. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And, I just knew it. <laughs> and he doesn't even react. No, he didn't even react it. He's like, oh, I guess that happened. <laughs> so then every time we went to a big scene like when she breaks down a little bit because she sees these children playing and she thinks of her kid. And I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, here we – but but no, that's not how this movie <laughs> oh, I found no. it so beautiful that it really was just dealt with in the most delicate of ways and the most realistic of ways. It really was a joy for yeah. it to be completely different than I thought it was going to be. I love that. And, and so one of my favorite scenes happens not soon after this moment. And w- they established early on that there are, you know, uh, in, 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 in inquiring exactly what Finn does and what people who like trains do, Joe keeps asking, like, so you got clubs? Like, what, what do you do? You got clubs? You, you watch, you look at trains, you go ride trains. And he talks about how like, oh, they get together, they talk about stuff and then they show movies. And he goes like, what kind of movies? And he talks all about like train chasing. Right. Um, and then he asks why he doesn't do it. And Finn pretty much says the, again, as little as information as possible. He doesn't, he never gives more than he, than he needed. He just says like, don't have to drive and I don't own a video camera. Like, could you be more obvious? Could you be more less emotionally involved? <laughs> oh my God. It's ridiculous. It's like when somebody asks you like, 
why don't you do this thing? And you go like, well, I don't own the thing. Oh, all right. Well, never mind. I wasn't asking about the desire at all. <laughs> it's the logistics. It's like he's a lawyer. Um, yeah. But then uh, Pat- Patricia Clarkson gifts him this video camera. And it's this gorgeous cut to the two of them in Joe's food truck chasing this train and i swear to god i don't know why i am every time i immediately start crying just immediately start crying when i'm watching the scene every time and it's especially when joe is like you know a uh, finn's got the camera on him and they're next to this gorgeous train go by and they're like flying next to it on his on his in his truck and it's like this rinky dicky truck in fact finn is sitting in a lawn chair like there's not even a passenger seat <laughs> i didn't in- notice that <laughs> in a lawn chair on the truck and i'm thinking like well he's gonna fall out of that truck that's so dangerous but anyways um they're flying right. along this thing and he's recording and joe is like joe's like presenting it like it's gonna be this great thing he's like we're here we're chasing stuff uh directed by me and and shot by finbar and he's like doing like credits and he's like he's like his hype man uh, and he tells him at one point, he tells like, turn the camera around. Yeah. So that he, and there's this great moment. Oh, I love it. Where we cut to the camera's POV, like the actual recording that he's done. And he just turns the camera around and just makes this sort of like, Hey, I guess I'm doing this face. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Face. yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, you can tell that he's thought about this. He won't, he'll, he, he won't tell you that, but you can tell in that moment that this is a thing that he's kind of always wanted to do. He's always watched these videos. In fact, Early on, they made fun of how boring another guy's train video was in the opening scene, you know? And and there's something that's just so beautiful at the moment. It gets me every time, every time I start getting emotional. And I just, the, these two sides of this coin that just come together and they just, ah, uh, they, they share this really, really great moment. And then they decide, hey, we're going to, I want to have a screening of the movie. And you make it think like, are they going to call people from the town? Like, how are they going to do this? And it's so, I, I immediately get very confused. I immediately, the first time I saw the movie, I was like, Wait, what? They're gonna—they want to have a premiere. He called it. Oh my god! Yes. How adorable is that? Um, and of course, they want to have it at at uh, at uh, Olivia's house. Yeah, because she's got a nice house, and they both have crap places. According to Joe's <laughs> message. Um, and then they just—you know—they they have this great night where they just sort of finally share stuff, and there's this this incredible I, moment. I really like that Olivia is. Getting dressed up for this. <laughs> yes, they, they, so, so does Finn. Finn puts, on a, Finn puts on like his tie. Yeah. <laughs> still like totally like fresh out of the shower when they show up. And yeah. she's like, early. early. Yeah. On time. So, like, no. But, you know, but then she, you know, she gets dressed up like, yeah, everybody's like taking a moment to kind of put on their best, which you don't always want to do when you're depressed, you know? And also, it's just the three of them. There's yeah. no, it's not, yep. <laughs> there's nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so that gorgeous. leads to probably one of my favorite moments from the movie, and that's when Finn and Olivia are kind of sitting down, like on the little dock area. Or whatever I love this moment by the water, <laughs> yeah. and Joe keeps finding reasons to come out of the kitchen because he's clearly oh. cooking dinner for them. Yep, but he's lonely. <laughs> Yes. So he's, he's like, hey, you got a garlic press? <laughs> I'm supposed to do dinner. You have a garlic press. Hey, you guys, how about the? Uh, hey, can you guys just come up here? <laughs> he finally yeah. like, just gives up and just begs them to come up yes. with him. But so I good. love that moment so much. And, and and I love I love the if if we saw the little uh, you know chinks in the armor and we saw the little weak spots and some of the crackliture happen of. Uh, 
uh, of Finn letting his guard down up until this point. There's that moment where they're just sitting there watching the footage, and it's and we've seen Joe offer them both a joint throughout the throughout the movie. Um, and they've turned it down thus far, and now they're all just sitting there, just passing a joint around, watching their train footage. And Joe just goes, "Trains are awesome." And then, completely non sequitur, Finn goes, "Yeah, so are horses." And it's that amazing. was hilarious. Because like, and, oh, and then he asked for the joint back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's too high. Like I don't like the side of you, Finn. No, I don't no. like you sharing all of this information. Like <laughs> the idea, the idea behind Finn is such a subdued guy. That you think of a guy who gets stoned and he starts talking like this. He starts thinking about all these big, crazy things and he starts looking at his hands. But Finn's level of stoned out of his mind is horses are cool. Like that's yeah. his that's his high bar. It's like, whoa, slow down. Right. I like it in these scenes also that Finn talks about being a dwarf. Um, yep. which is a term that he uses and uh and he says that people treat him differently, but he's actually a pretty simple, boring person. You know, and and that's and ultimately that's like the first time that we actually learn that he cares about everything because throughout the whole movie he's established the stoic nature of like I just want to be left alone I'm fine with it because again he's not angry he doesn't look angry he right. tells people he tells them there in that moment I am it's his little uh, that's my secret cap moment you know it's his little Bruce Banner moment um, where he shares with them like no I'm this sucks like I'm angry that I got stuck with this of all the things because I. I just want to be a boring guy. I'd rather be not seen um, because I am indeed boring. I don't want to be exceptional. I still don't want people to look at me, even if I was, you know, uh, not, not a dwarf. Yeah, I just, exactly. you know, yeah. it, it, and again, it's that, you know, that great moment where we sort of learn. We learn more about, you know, uh, Patricia's relationship with her ex or Patricia, Olivia. I can't. Patricia Carson <laughs> is just so great. She transcends everything. Um <laughs> But well, we also we also get that really, really first semblance of kind of an awkward moment where well, uh, the you have go ahead, something go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because that's the also the scene where she she has them stay over. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and, and she has a moment where she actually then tells us what happened. Yes. To her son, where she she just says he fell off the monkey boys. Good. Yeah. Fell- monkey boys. <laughs> That's a whole different movie. Uh, <laughs> he fell off the monkey bars. I turned my head for a second. Yeah. You know, so we know. The yeah, guilt. Just, yeah. But also, I mean, this woman shouldn't be driving. She shouldn't be having. No, I'm kidding. That's rude. Um, <laughs> she's clearly easily distracted. Um, uh, too soon. Uh, anyways, uh, so there's this really awkward moment though that happens. Yeah. That you really question some of the motives, which is again, yes, very simple. We they don't dwell on it for a long time, but it's this perfectly written little moment where Finn is staying in her kid's room, right? In theory, uh, at least that's what sort of they don't explicitly say that, but it feels like that. It's got like two twin beds in it, yeah, like it's and, like a kid's room, yeah, yeah. And uh, she like tucks him in, and then it seems like she becomes a mom for a moment. Yeah. It seems like you start questioning, wait a minute, is she interested in Finn because he's little and because yeah. he is... There's some- a picture of her son there, so he says, yeah. Sam, and, so, and then, yeah, then she ends up leaning over and she kisses him on the lips, but yeah, but it's like... But not at first, though. At first, she was going like, to kiss him on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you catch that? Did you catch that moment? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't catch it even that she. Yeah, was- 
So it's almost like she was going to kiss him on his forehead and then realized, what am I doing? This is not a boy. This is not my son. And then like, yeah. Even in that kiss on the lips, it's very like it it makes me think, oh, does is she interested in him or still is that a motherly kiss? Yeah, there's not there's not like passion to it. It's not it's not very uh, romantically charged. Yes. Uh, Really interesting. Really interesting moment. And of course, the next the next uh, morning is hilarious when her ex-husband shows up and, you know, a a dwarf and a guy in his pajamas walk out of separate rooms of her ex of his ex-girlfriend's house. Joe's just serial, you know. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Who, Who are these people? Oh, it's so good. I love that scene so much. Um, and true, Joe, he knows everything about it. I saw your picture on the, you know, yeah. in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you and know, he cares. He cares. He, he, he yeah. says, like, I don't like that guy. Like, he, he immediately becomes protective. Like you said, like we've talked about, he's a dog. He is an actual human being dog. He immediately becomes protective of the people he's loyal to. He, like, he wants to stay, and he wants to stand in between the two of them and go, what do you want? He wants to be that guy. Right. Um. Uh. But uh, but, you know, ultimately that resorts in Patricia, you know, the, the reminder of, of her son and the, the relationship. It's, it's clear that she hasn't been returning her ex-husband's calls. And, and we're, it's not painted as he's a antagonist either. Like we have to remember this ex-husband, like he lost his son as well. And this tore them apart in a way you one would assume. And so it's just we get to kind of hear it through the wall that she hasn't been returning his calls and there's an issue there. And then she kind of gets cold and she kind of closes them out. Yes. And then there's this incredibly, incredibly poignant moment where uh, Finn goes to see her. And it's the very first time it's one hour into the movie. I wrote it down when we rewatched it. Cause I, I love this moment so much. And I love how long it takes the first time he asks a question of a person that is not a service person, meaning can I have coffee and how much is it? He asks her, how are you doing? <laughs> It's the first time he ever asks. He inquires about another human being for the first time. Yeah. And she shuts him down. She called. She, she treats him the way he has treated everybody who's cared about him. And I think that to me is such a great moment of like, hey, look at me. There I am in the flesh, a different person doing the same thing that I do. And it's such a point. It's that moment where I think he like he brings her her groceries, right? Because he was at the like the, the grocer when she called. Yeah. And she just asks, you know. Yeah, I'm fine. How much? How much for the groceries? And she just ices him out. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It is. It's super heartbreaking because he's like, yeah, here he is opening up and wanting to help her, and you know, and she's like, nope, go away. Yeah. Uh, we do though. Then have uh, Finn goes to the library, which there's been an ongoing thing, you know, since he went the first time that he had to wait for Bill to come so he could get a library card because has to have his address on it. So he finally gets one and goes. And that's when we see like the librarian there, um, Emily, mm-hmm. is interested in him. Like she has some sort of yeah, she's a little crush on him. Yeah, sure. Who wouldn't? It's Peter Dinklage. It's uh, Michelle Williams. <laughs> uh, right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, at so one the- point, there is a a kind of a a dumb funny moment where where Joe is like oh yeah she has a she has that whole librarian thing going on she takes off her glasses i love that and finn's like she doesn't wear glasses like it's- and then and then without missing a beat olivia looks over and goes buy her some it's worth it i like yes. I, love <laughs> I love that like 
like they're just ah, there's something about these strangers that just clicks so well and the performances are so good there's another great moment like that uh to backfill just a little bit because there are these beautiful moments where again it feels like they're right off it feels like they weren't written it feels like they were very like again modern day mumblecore but i just have to assume that they were meticulously written because they're executed with such perfection when they when they go on their like walk of right or whatever it's called the right of way and uh they're on the bridge and he offers and, and joe's like man i'm so hungry and finn goes all right i got you know a uh, uh, beef jerky and he goes great i'll have some and then she goes, no, I don't want any. And then he takes some and he goes, it's delicious. And then she just looks over and goes, all right, give me a piece. It's like so <laughs> unnecessary. It doesn't, it does nothing except make that moment perfect and real like, in some way. Yes, and it there's more real. Yeah. There's like, so many moments. Much. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the fact that she like can't bite it, like it takes her like three, yes. like, like, God, it like takes like a whole minute for her to like yes. bite a piece off. Really oh, it's trail so of beef jerky I've ever seen. So. <laughs> oh my God. So good. But yeah. And so, Obviously, you know, uh, this is where sort of the crux comes where Finn doesn't give up, which is and that's the thing that I love about this is like the guy who's doesn't ask questions right of anybody finally asks, gets turned down. And in lieu of just shutting down in, in any other movie, this would have been your act act two break. This would have been where everything was going good. And now we're resorting back to the beginning. And now we have to rebuild our structure like this is how that formula of the hero's journey would have happened but it didn't instead he just persists he just goes back um and uh i don't know it's this really beautiful moment where he finds her and he, he worries that she did something bad to herself and I, I it's one of the things i love about this movie is that there's no like there's no resolution that's gonna make you go like and then they lived happily ever after and because that, that's not how life is instead it's more of just a like hey these people found each other and they're going to do whatever they can to help each other. And they're going to, you know, it, again, it's very much a movie of adopted family. Yeah. Their own, their own little Island of misfit toys in this tiny little town. Is how yeah. And, 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 and ultimately, you know, that thing that we establish in the very opening about Finn uh, culminates his journey of, uh, of fear. You know, at one point he goes to the bar and he, he, he gets drunk waiting for Joe who couldn't show um, and he, you know, he, he, uh, he has this breakdown where he, he assumes that everybody's staring at him. We don't know whether that's true. We don't even know if it's all in his head or not. Maybe it is true, but we don't know. By the way, the, Joe, the one, the, yeah. the one big moment of that, that was, there were two guys who had made fun of him earlier. Yeah. Joe Latrulio uh, is one of them from yeah. the state. Yeah. And, they, oh, God. and well, the other one is the boyfriend of the librarian. Of yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, but they, uh, Joe Latrulu, his character comes over with a beer, and we don't hear right. the dialogue exactly, which is brilliant. But he, he's he seems yeah. kind of apologetic. He's 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 you know patting him on the back. He's he points around a little bit. It's almost like he's saying like, "Oh, we saw you from over there," but we're not quite sure what what exactly he's saying. And he puts the beer in front of him, and and Finn, no reaction, straightforward, yeah. does not even look, and so he kind of backs off and is kind of gives a shrug like whatever man yeah and that that to me i think is so crucial to what's what really fuels finn in that moment yeah is and, that whether or not yeah. any other person around it's that those two sure. noticed yeah. him true and did something about it and he's just like no i can't ha i can't handle that <laughs> Previous, previously at joe's trailer they did kind of yeah. call after him at one point and yeah made, they're uh, love boat jokes and whatnot yeah joke yeah like oh, the plane the plane fantasy yeah. island 
Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Which is yeah, and yeah, and uh, just, they were incredibly rude to him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I, I think I, that's why. He, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was thinking, you know, he Joe's constantly asking him to go out to the bar, go out to the bar. You know, throughout the movie, he's like, no, I don't want to. You know, and I, you, I think that was setting up part of this because he, you know when he has gone to a bar, he is the object of everyone's of attention, and he and he's so uncomfortable in that. And I think, given the day that he had, and then all of the everything going on in his head, you know, there's just like you know, take a look, you know, just let's just get this over with because I'm so sick of living this way of of trying not to be noticed, and yeah. he just wanted to, he just wanted it done. It, and, it's, it's a great scene. It, it's a great scene, and it's like, uh, in a way, it's sort of like a, a brief moment of uh, uh, of weakness turned into a moment of like liberation for him. Um, mm. Where, like, one might argue that that was the worst thing he could have done, but you could also argue that it, it's what allowed him to just kind of move on from that moment. It was almost a therapeutic, cathartic kind of release. That's how um, I saw it too. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, most and, of the time, it's he's done nothing for them to stare at him. And this time he is creating the action for them to look at him. So it's on his terms, not theirs. And, 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 and I, if anything, that allows him that last little bit of, of, uh, you know, whatever he needed to face his fears, which his ultimate fear, if his fear of kids, his ultimate fear is sitting in front of a classroom of kids. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Cleo character at some point told him, Hey, you got to come to my school and talk about trains. And he was, adamant on how he could not do that and she didn't know why because he's not going to tell her i'm afraid of kids right um and uh and, and you know it does nothing is fixed it's not like he goes to that classroom i think a weaker writer uh somebody who's not as brave uh would have made this scene him cracking a joke and just commanding the class yeah and everybody loves him right that would have been how a weaker disney writer would have written <laughs> mm -hmm. this movie you know or but that's not that's not how it goes or it would have been like kind of what happens is one kid makes a comment, you know, yeah. about him being a little person, but then it would have turned into, oh, well, let me talk about that instead. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I was totally expecting that to happen. Yeah. It's the yep. second time I've seen it and I still thought that's what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, but it's just, it's, hey, this is the world I'm living in. And, and it's, there's something to be said. Like, obviously, none of us here are little people, are dwarves, and so we can't speak to that experience. But I think one of the reasons movies works so well is because is because, uh, in a way, casting the main character. Uh, and I don't know if it was intended that way. If it was like, oh, I want to write a movie specifically for a dwarf to I read play something role. that said that the that he it was the director who also wrote this that yes he yes specifically for these three actors got it oh, uh, I love that Clarkson yet but he had, right. had worked with the other two and yeah wrote it for them right so great. so but with that said even if it was the intent you have this kind of beautiful metaphor and let me s s disclaim this but this is not i'm not trying to take anything away from the experience of any little person or dwarf um because that is a completely unique experience on their own but in this movie it's a perfect visual representation of all and anybody who's an outcast yeah all and anybody whether it's because of a physical reason or if it's because of something that's in your head and that's why i think this is such a beautiful exploration of mental health this movie um because it's it speaks to any social outcast anybody who might 
be looked at in public in a way uh, that garnishes attention that they deem negative. And you have it in a visual form in this instance, which is why I think it's it works so well. If this movie was about like, you know, I don't know, some goth guy who moves into this small town and people look at him because he's wearing white makeup, it would have been the same story. You know what I mean? But it wouldn't have been as effective as the visual easy representation of like, this is who I am and I, have, I don't control this, you know? What one could also draw parallels to it's a story of, you know, uh, somebody who struggling with like uh, dealing with their sexual identity in a world that doesn't accept them. This could right. also parlay into sort of, uh, you know, representative of that as well. Like it's such a perfect, I don't know. It's such a perfect exploration of living in a space that you feel you don't belong. I do want to touch just real quick on that scene with him and Cleo when she's talking to him about coming to the class, because I thought it was a great bookend to the scene where Joe just grabs the train book and just starts looking through it before he asks if he can do it. Right. And she looks at him at one point when he says, no, I don't want to go to your class. And she's like, but I already told everyone else you're coming. Yeah. I, I love that little moment because at yeah. that point he's just like, Oh, you are just a, a little kid. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. What am I going to do here? And, and it also shows you from, and it's something I, I mentioned that she's at the jump. Like when we meet Finn, he's not a mean person. Like he'd never, I don't think he wants to hurt this little girl. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. I don't think he ever has an intent to be malicious to anybody, um, which is what sets up this perfect sort of stoic, character that they've created of the guy who's just kind of being you know crapped on uh, or disregarded like those are the only two states that P- that he that he lives his life until of course meeting joe and i also what i love about this too is it also it establishes that maybe the these aren't the first people he's met like this you know like i like to think that yeah in his like there's one of those guys in that little train club in the opening was probably like really wanted to be his best friend and he just like has shunned him for years or something. You know, like, <laughs> I like to think that this isn't the first time he's been through this, but it's the first time that he, people have gotten through to him. It did make me wonder how he and Henry had become friends. I think it's simply because, Hey, I, I guess I like trains. I'm going to get a job here. It seems to me simply a symptom of, I got a job in a place that I can tolerate. And this is the other guy that works there. It seemed like a, uh, um, What's that phrase? It's not a. Uh, it was. It was like a. Not not a symptom. Of a convenience, but, of a convenience yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah. French of a convenience. Uh, I do also want to mention after the bar scene when he's like, you know, here I am. Take a look. And he's very drunk, and he walks the right of way again, walking home. And oh yeah, we oh, completely yeah. placed over this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I just I turned the page in my notes. Oh hey, we missed this because I drew a big arrow toward it. Uh, but yeah, so he falls on the tracks and a train is coming and, you know, he's just kind of like in a condition where he can't just get up and get off the tracks. And so he, but he, he raises his head a bit and he looks toward it, sees the train coming and he smiles. And like laughs. it's the perfect way to go. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's just laughing in the face of death. Like, okay, why not? Yeah. Second point where I'm like, oh, here we go. Now it's going to get really depressing. <laughs> Yeah, and then you cut to the next morning, and he wakes up on the tracks, and the only thing that's happened is his pocket watch has been destroyed. Crushed, yeah. Which, by the way, I, I kind of love that mystery. Like, did the train just go over him? Yeah, did he survive I, it? Was I mean, it in his head the whole time? Well, it could have been, or he's so small that, yeah, if he's laying there in the tracks, it's possible, theoretically. Yeah. That it just went, but yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of that. It could have I been. love 
I love that mystery. He just <laughs> to watch when he fell, right? Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. yeah Watches it, break all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it, it. That. Gosh. It's. There's so much poetry. Um. And there's so much nuance in this movie. And again, I said at the at the front of it, man. It's a tour de force. There are times where Peter Dinklage does so little that it seems like he didn't want to be in the movie. And it, and it works and it works for the character. It works for the character so well. So incredibly well. I, I'm just thinking now, like, it's really interesting. The like, like, the Finn character spends so much time waiting. Like, he waits on the trains. And then there's the moment when he's going to see what's up with Olivia, but he doesn't he doesn't go to talk to her. He just sets up outside her house like he's watching trains. Yeah. And he's waiting for her to come out and make an appearance. And then they're waiting for her outside the hospital when she gets out. And like, yeah, it's interesting how much time he spends just sort of sitting and waiting for. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But what it means. I, by the way, Joe, I, I just like the idea that you watch this movie waiting for something super heavy dramatic in the same way that like I watch a horror movie, just like waiting for something I don't want to see. Like you were watching it through your fingers. Like, it, Oh no, here was. comes drama. I don't want drama. Like it's, I was just waiting for someone to go. I'll be right back. I'm like, here it is. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's, but that's also interesting. Cause then there's there. We are as viewers waiting on a thing to happen that just doesn't come. Yeah. You know, we get something different than what we think we're waiting on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it it really is just again, it's a beautiful movie. It is a, really a, an absolute masterpiece. Like there is. I, I can't think of a better example of uh, you don't need much to really tell an incredibly entertaining and touching story. Like there's not a lot to this. Like we mentioned, this, this whole thing shot on like a super macro budget. It was shot super fast. I think it was only done in like a couple of weeks or something. Um, I'm trying to remember. I remember once reading about it. I was really bummed because my original DVD that I bought of it had like a commentary track oh. um, and some deleted scenes. And uh, I don't know where that went. That got lost in the moves at some point. No, and I went scenes I, on YouTube. Oh, I see. I wasn't smart enough to think about that. <laughs> oh, I'm so dumb. But anyways, because I went to go rebuy it and like the new version of the DVD has zero special features. And I was like, heck. I only stumbled on that because I was trying to figure out whether the end credit music used a saw or a theremin. <laughs> there were a few moments, by the way. And yeah, the score. So the score in the movie is very, very unique. Um, what I love about it is that it doesn't sound like one complete movie. Like there are certain scenes, like you mentioned, there's like a theremin at one point where they're using, which I think it's during one of the walks where they're using yeah. that maybe when they're going over the bridge and it's just sort of like it matches perfectly, but it doesn't sound like a cohesive thing with, you know, the following scene or, or scene later, like they're playing like Western chase music when they're uh, chasing the train driving right. next to it. Like all of these different sort of motifs that pop up. Uh, I really love the music in the movie. It's super fun that way. Yeah. And, and the generic nineties rock in the bar. And every time a car goes by, oh. it was like, Oh yeah. Remember 1993, yeah. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, and I do want to say on IMDb, it pointed out that St. Finbar, uh, was a religious hermit and he founded a remote monastery that attracted so many people. It became the city of Cork, Ireland. And I, huh. I that's an interesting. And that, that's what the character is named after. Yes. 
and that, oh, I love that. you know that all fits kind of what he, yeah again he was just seeking that perfect absolutely perfect life where nobody bothers him right. at least what he thought Never was perfect was attracted to it yeah. <laughs> now he's got a city <laughs> that's great yeah i really like this movie i think it's just you know and there's more to it even than what we've talked about but of course uh, but yeah i just you know having watched it twice now i think it's it's just one of those really delightful movies that you watch and you know yeah it doesn't have some big action in it or anything but it's it's just a delight yeah just to see this piece of these people's lives as they come together and and find a community together yeah and and that is really ultimately at its at its crux uh you know the point of the film and it's i think those are the movies that speak to me personally the most which maybe is why again this movie speaks to me i i feel like on a personal level i can see a lot of the the worst of me in finn um and uh and at some points sometimes even the best of me and joe um and and so it it does really speak to me on a personal level and that's a facet but also again it's you know i'm I'm a guy who never felt at home in any place that he's really ever been in uh who's you know I, i deal with all of these this litany of daddy issues and and all of these sorts of things that kind of i'm always searching for that family while we're, I mean, it, I feel like we're wrapping up here. Yes. Uh, I, I want to reflect, Jake, on something that you said early in the show, which is that you can't imagine that someone would hate this movie, but it could be some, right. not someone's <laughs> cup of tea. Yeah. And I would like to introduce myself. Hello, I'm Andrew. This is not my cup of tea. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, this is, and I, hearing you speak so passionately about this film, I love that you've connected with it i love everything that you've gotten out of it but i have to tell you it's not there for me i don't <laughs> i like i like peter dinklage i like bobby cannavale i patricia clarkson i all this performances michelle sure. williams um uh, the young actress who plays cleo like there's good performances here but something about this movie doesn't click for me and i maybe it's because uh, you know, mum- mumblecore, like you said, this feels like a mumblecore, even though it's years, kind of years before that became the term. Sure. Uh, maybe it's, you know, I, I don't know what it, or, or I, I can't even quite put my finger on it, except it just did not click for me. And I like a lot of scenes and I like a lot of interactions, but as a whole, it kind of, do you feel me. so so the thing the uh, the thing that i've gotten most uh, in discussing this movie with people is when i say it's like again you either you uh i got nobody that i know hates the movie but everybody has what you just said that i mm-hmm. that, that that's not like oh i didn't really love it and uh, the most common thread I, I get from people is like oh yeah i just wish something more happened towards the end do you feel that way is that something mm. is that do you feel like if there were a stronger (laughs) resolution or if maybe there was more of a change by the end of the movie from the beginning of the movie that see, yeah, I don't even really want that. Maybe if there's something more happened at the beginning of the movie, interesting. because I feel like there is, there is kind of an emptiness like uh, for a long time. There's a, there's an emptiness in the movie that when the friendship does form, I'm like, Oh, okay. The friendship's here. Like that's right. That's, you know, I'm glad that that's here, but it really, it, it felt like it took its time to, to get to that point 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I disagree about the taking its, its time. Uh, because when I, when I think of that as a statement, it's a positive one. Like when mm. something takes a time to get to think to me, that's like, yeah, good. It took a time. It didn't rush into it. Whereas mm. I feel like yeah. this movie took its time in the sense where I felt like everything was earned, but I'd never, I didn't feel it was rushed uh, at all. Um, in fact, they, they, they trimmed just enough fat. Like the fact that we don't really spend much time in, in uh, what's the, the city in Jersey that it starts in, in uh, Hoboken. Yeah. yeah. Like the fact that we don't really spend much time in Hoboken is fantastic. Like yeah. I was, you know, that's sort of one of these things where this movie could have been another 30 minutes of just his life there. And it probably wouldn't have been as effective for me personally, but, but right. I get it. And that's, and that's sort of what I've gotten from people. Andrew is like, uh, it's, it's, you know, some people go like, I don't know what was missing. Nobody can go like, if nobody has the fix though, I've noticed. Yeah. I don't, it's not that I'm thinking yeah. like, Oh, why didn't, you know, right. these two kiss or why yeah. wasn't there tension between them or a romantic yeah. triangle or, you know, why didn't they, you know, why did, you know, one thing that I thought, and then I realized by the end, I was like, we, we didn't need this. We never meet Joe's father. We never see him taking care of the father. Oh, nope. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't need that. I'm glad that that's yeah, not in the movie. I, I, I love that too. Yeah. So he it, did make a brief appearance at the truck. Like he's better and he's sitting at the truck mm. uh, while, while Joe and Olivia are sitting on at on the you know the stoop at Finn's, and then they say something to him, and you see him, and he basically makes a you know, okay, about Olivia being you know right. whatever. But yeah, I was like, oh look, he exists. Like right, 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 right. <laughs> need to see him, but you know, yeah, it didn't need to be there. So see, I'll I'll be the opposite of Andrew and say this totally was in my wheelhouse. Um, it almost reminds me of like a, a more mature adult version of Stand By Me, where you just have these groups of characters wandering out like on train tracks. On train tra yeah, wow, I love that. I love and, that. And you know, if, even though in Stand By Me they all are very close friends, and in this they aren't really close friends at the beginning and then grow that way. So in, in the a weird way, they're friends at the beginning of Stand By Me and grow apart by the end. And then in this one, they're apart and grow closer by the end. So I, I like that would be another great double feature, just uh, FYI. But yeah. I do, like you've mentioned Mumblecore a lot, and that I've become a real fan of certain filmmakers like Justin Vincent and Aaron Moorhead make films that are classified as that. And I almost see this as something maybe they're fans of and using their films as well. But I, I really did. I was blown away by how much I love this. And it definitely is uh, I on can... my list of recommendations for people now. I can tell you firsthand, uh, as friends of mine, that they definitely love this movie. Um, oh, the, but it's interesting. It's no interesting way. too because I don't consider uh, Aaron and Justin mum Mumblecore necessarily. Um, really? I, I yeah, I put I put Mumblecore to me as a slightly different category. I put that more in kind of the world that Lynn Shelton and like Joe Swanberg uh, sort of uh, existed and so or existed. Yeah, more more very. You know, I think to me like. I don't know. Uh, your sister's sister is like my favorite mumblecore of the mumblecores. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it does exist in that world for sure. But again, like I, I do feel like station agent is like, uh, you know, it's, if you were to, if you were to track a family tree at some point, the branches split and that's, and like you got those people. And then you also got Moorhead and Benson, you know, I know about mumblecores. It's a funny word. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's true. I don't know if I would put myself with Andrew in the like, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the the meh category. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's a that's an okay, okay. word. I'll allow that. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, but I 
about like five to ten minutes into this movie, I'm like, okay, so this is a nothing movie, which I normally <laughs> don't like. <laughs> and like, okay. a, a, I wouldn't call Mumblecore nothing the same thing, but I truly hate Mumblecore. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I just haven't. Yeah. Some I don't people know if really I don't like it. Yeah, I haven't found one that I liked, and I don't care to look any further. Um, <laughs> All right. But, so, so ignore <laughs> the text message full of suggestions you're about to get from me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There um, will be 40 movies that you will oh, be suggested to very recently. Goodness. I'll just scroll to Finding Nemo and, and hit play. But <laughs> I, I I did end up liking this movie, I think, just because I, at the end of it, I was just like, I like this for, for a nothing movie. Sure. <laughs> right? and like, like you said, like nothing really. I mean, things happen, yeah. of course, but nothing girl, really, really girl happens. Girl. Like I said, yeah. Exactly. Real life. Movie. Nobody yeah. saves the world. Yeah. And, I don't know. For me, I, you always hear people say like, oh, I love watching movies. They're such a great escape, which I've never really connected with that phrase of like, oh, I'm going to go sit down and forget about the world and then come back to it two hours later. Yeah. Like to me, movies make life better. Yeah. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, they, they add like an enhancement layer on how I live my life. And so this again, it is much closer to real life and the interactions and the, the dialogue and the, the relationships and things like that. And so that's, I think that's kind of why I enjoyed it because again, like you said, it's the thing I don't like about Mumblecore is that it's just so like, eh, we'll just hit record and see what happens. Yeah. And yes. that's, that's what this movie feels like it is. But like you said, it's very meticulously yes. crafted to appear. Yeah, that way. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and yes. that's what the thing is. Like, it reminds me of, you know, it reminds me of a great standup where like, it seems like, they're spatting out randomness, yeah. but it's very curated and very, and, and very practiced. <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot of people who go like, yeah, this, I like that. You said this is a nothing movie. I, <laughs> I might have to put that on my business card. I might have to be like nothing writer, filmmaker. director, nothing movies. Like that might be, <laughs> that might be my brand. I think you just branded me. Oh no. no, guys, I did it. No, hey, I said it Wait, let me yell out the window. Hey, Los Angeles, I did it. I have a brand now. I'm Alisa, and I can be found on Twitter at this Alisa. I'm Andrew Lindy, and uh, I host a couple of other podcasts. Uh, I can't help myself. Uh, one of which is called <laughs> Nothing New, a remake podcast, where my co-host and I talk every month about films that are remakes. We look at two films that are based on the same thing, or one is the remake or a reboot of another whatever you want to call it that's what we do uh, you can find that at benvnetwork.com slash nothing new and my other show which at this point is fully finished we have watched every minute of the Ooh. 1993 ape or 1996 ape film dunstan checks in and we have talked about those minutes uh one per episode uh with the official dunstan checks in podcast uh that's done go listen to every episode please uh it it was a labor of um well not love but it was uh, a <laughs> yeah it was a laboring labor uh so check that out ben benvnetwork.com uh slash dunston hmm? i said congratulations and better you than me 
Yep. Yes. I, whatever we what we move on to next will be more enjoyable and uh, will will be announced. I, I guess y'all will hear about it on the next episode of uh, It's on My List when I do my plugs again. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. And Jake, uh, what would you uh, like to tell people to, to find you in? Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Jake Lloyd on Twitter at Liquid Jake. Um, and check out Pinch Movie on Instagram as well, where you can get some direct links. You can get some behind the scenes photos and videos, trailers to my debut feature film, Pinch. If you enjoyed Station Agent uh, and you listen to us gab about it for however long it's been and you enjoyed it, then I'm going to go ahead and just take a wild guess. You'll probably enjoy my movie, Pinch. Um, check that out. It's available right now on Amazon Prime for free, all Prime Video subscribers, and it's available for digital rental and purchase at a very fair price. <laughs> um, available uh, through Amazon Video. You don't need to be a Prime subscriber to be able to watch it. Um, and if you want a, a direct link, uh, just go to pinchmovie.com. All right. I'm Bethany Brinton. I am a musician and composer. You can find me on all the social things at Bethany Brinton. And we are It's On My List. And if you're looking for us online, it's It's On My List Pod. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Uh, shoot us an email. It's on my list pod at gmail.com and tell us about your favorite or least favorite nothing movies. <laughs> or meh movie. Uh, meh. <laughs> I am Cheryl Jones. Uh, if you want to follow me personally online, you can find me at Speedway CJ on all the social media. You can also listen to five years of movies made me. Uh, I'm going to say uh, to do that, go to dragonwagonradio.com. Did I get that right, Jake? Yeah. Okay. I always forget if the radio's in there for some reason. Uh, and coming soon, I swear, coming soon, uh, my new show, My Core 4. You can find that at My Core 4 Pod across all the social media. And I'm Joe Myers. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Joe Myers. I am also the co-host of a horror podcast called The Podcast Macabre. You can find us at podcastmacabre.com. And from there, you can find us on all social media. And uh, just to wrap up, I just want to thank Jake for coming on with us today. I've known Jake personally for well over a decade now. Uh, we met on Kevin Smith's message board way back in the day. I met up in Orlando when we would have big meetups, and I remember he was uh, starting out. He was a comedian in Tampa, right? It was Tampa you were living at the time? Yep, I was living in Tampa. Got fired from my job for being on the Viewisk Universe message board too much. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and, figured, and figured that was my cue to just start my uh, full-time career in showbiz. And I remember you making that trek across country to uh, Hollywood and when you first booked uh, a gig on 24 and to see you go from that to having Pinch as your first movie, man, I couldn't be more proud of you. And uh, oh, thanks, to, say, uh, to wrap this up, you're my hero, dog. Oh, <laughs> thanks, bud. I appreciate you. And thanks for listening. This has been It's On My List. natural flow i don't flow naturally so (laughs) (laughs) you might want to talk to your doctor about that (laughs) will do if you have an unnatural flow contact your physician oh no or listen to it's on my list (laughs) (laughs) we're all licensed medical health professionals